Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you doing, Corey? Doing pretty good. Keeping busy. How about you? Definitely keeping busy. I know you have been. It's been like yeah. hard to even get a hold of you lately. So <laughs> I know have- Edge has been covering my butt, writing some really good articles because I'm just juggling way too many things right now. Yeah, I know you got a lot of good things coming on the horizon for you that I'm sure you'll be able to tell our audience about at a later time, but um, I'm going to have to fill you in on a lot of stuff that's been happening this week. I know. And we got a a couple articles, like you said, that that I published on your site this week we'll go over. So the first one being Climate Trace, and this one's all about ESG, social and climate credit score, and this Uh whole global mass surveillance system that they are trying to attempt. And uh, we're going to talk about the World Bank and how that actually plays into this uh, Climate Trace article a little bit. They Uh, play into every agenda. Absolutely, they do. Well, they came out with their most recent report this week, and it's talking really essentially about global recession and stagflation. So we're going to talk about that. Hmm. And um, another article I published, which is all about full-time RV living. And is it right for you? Because a lot of people since 2020 have been doing this. And so I kind of looked into that and broke it all down so people can evaluate if it's right for them. Um, That's been my dream for years. I would love to do that. (laughs) Absolutely. It's actually my B plan, um, (laughs) which is becoming much more realistic these days. I'm still working on my A plan. I know. I'm still working on my (laughs) A plan too. time consuming. (laughs) Yep, it is. It is. So we can talk about that, chat about our personal situations um, when we talk about that article. Also, gun legislation passing in the House this week, what that means um, and what's going on in the Senate with regards to gun legislation. Plus, we need to talk about these pro-abortion terrorist attacks that have been happening lately and death threats and everything. Um, And the last thing we really, really need to touch on is this whole trans agenda with it being Pride Month. It's really being pushed down our throats. And of course, grooming kids goes along with that. So um, lots to talk about. Yeah. And then also the premiere starts today on uh, it's so the Health Freedom Summit, if anyone missed it a few months ago, uh, they are doing a relaunch because there was a lot going on at the time. And, uh, you know, it's not just about talking about the pandemic and everything. There's strategies in here. There's um stuff about infertility, stuff that can help women and, you know, ways of fighting different, different things and building a new health system and everything. So that's like a free, this is a free four day online event and three of the days are the speakers, but the first day being today, Friday, the 10th, they're, they're kicking off the exclusive premiere of between peace and war an insider view of the people's convoy. Uh, Claire Dooley traveled with, you know, with the truckers through this and has put together um, a full documentary film on it. So it's all free. Just register with the health freedom summit and you can get access to all of this. So kind of cool. Excellent. Check that out on Corey's digs and we'll um, leave a link in the description for you guys. Cause that looks like it will be full of great information. I mean, this is like chock full of really excellent speakers too, I see. And you're one of them? 
Yeah, on uh, thir- on Thursday, goodness, I can't even think. On day three, no, day four on strategy, I uh, had a discussion with Alana Newman. So um, yeah, so that's that's about probably 45 minute hour conversation we had. And that's nice. on the last day. Oh, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. All right, cool. So something to um, to definitely check out once you're done listening to this podcast, because it should be starting um, same day we publish this. So good. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the um, article I pu- published for you last week on Climate Trace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if people mm-hmm. haven't heard about Climate Trace, um, definitely something that you should have on your radar because it's this huge coalition full of big tech crooked NGOs, banksters, and just tons and tons of dark money. NASA. And, and NASA. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, lots of lots of the usual players in this coalition, um, their goal is really essentially to track CO2 emissions of every asset on the planet and then tattle to governments and investors just like maybe BlackRock, I don't know, um, about who these terrible climate actors are so that BlackRock or the UN. Climate offenders. Right. Let's get it right. Climate offenders that right. will be held accountable. Right. They're going to be held accountable uh, by BlackRock or the UN or government agencies. And we know this whole CO2 emissions thing is a complete scam. Uh, ESG is a complete scam. Um, The whole climate doom hysteria is a hoax. But the real takeaway here is that they're using it as an excuse for more global big tech surveillance. And here comes Mm -hmm. Climate Trace with their perfect solution to do that. Mm. So the language that they use a lot, like you said, climate offenders, really they use the, the language climate actors because it implies the same type of language that they use for potential terrorists when when, when they say t- uh, threat actors right so you see how right. they're framing this conversation mm-hmm. but at this point climate trace is reporting on assets like pl- power plants planes and farms but they're talking about how their ai is becoming more and more advanced and the surveillance is becoming more detailed over time and so um you know you got to think about it because one of their biggest partners is google right mm-hmm. yeah. so it seems like it's just a matter of time before they're going to be moving their focus to individual cars and homes and small businesses 100 percent yeah, and Climate Trace is a new coalition. They started back in 2020. So, but so each year their surveillance reporting has become more and more detailed. At first they were looking at countries as a whole. Now they're narrowing in on well, business sectors and assets. But but the reality is they've been doing this for a long time and they formed the coalition as the cover story for why they're doing this. And they're only revealing that which they want us to be aware of right now, but this is already fully in place, ready to rock and roll. So they're just trying to give it context and- Justification. All for the good, 
Exactly. We're surveilling yep. you for the good. Right. And this all leads to the bankster's plan of transforming the global economy through ESG initiatives. And it ultimately means the same kind of control for us, the consumers, um, with right. the social and climate credit score that this is ultimately going to lead to. And um, legislatures, I know, have proposed um, an act called the Index Act that's going to, if it passes, um, limit the power of these big investors like BlackRock from using their our investments to push mm. their climate and social justice agendas. Now, whether that's going to actually pass, I don't think so, unless something major happens in November and again in 2024, um, which we definitely need to push for and pray for because, I mean, this thing is going full steam ahead and um, there's nothing stopping it unless we get these crooks out of positions of power. Well, right. And one of the things they do is they use this um, to shut down small businesses and competition uh, by setting new regulations in place. And you have to re-outfit your entire place and you need to put in this lighting and you need to do this and that. And you need to now have solar panels on your roof. And and if you don't comply, then you know we're going to run you out of business and you will become a climate offender. But you should scroll back up just above Gore's smug and just read that quote that I... Uh, Put in bold. Right. So this was back after the um, 2021 UN Climate Change Conference, COP26. And this is right after COP26, all of these sort of coalitions and NGOs and initiatives started going boom, boom, boom into place, right? Yeah. Especially uh, even the partners of this whole Climate Trace Coalition, a lot of them are just brand new since COP26. Yeah, it's just the PR rollout of it. Right. So um, coming at, fresh out of COP26, Al Gore elaborated on the function of this Climate Trace Coalition to hold ent entities and individuals accountable for climate offenses by stating, we can now accurately determine where the greenhouse gas emissions are coming from. And he says, he continued, we'll have the identities of the people who are responsible for each of these greenhouse gas emission streams and if investors or governments or civil society activists want to hold them responsible they will have the information upon which to base their action in holding them responsible <laughs> there you have it can't be yeah. much clearer than that so this right. needs to be shut down absolutely needs to be shut down i don't even think people uh know much about it so wanted to get some more eyes on it and definitely check out that article if you want some some more information uh especially about all of their partners because it's a long list you know what you know what we need to do we need like uh dice to go out and when they start rolling some of these absurd things out he needs to like go out in front of stores or on the streets when people are in shock over suddenly, you know, who were completely oblivious. And now all of a sudden they're being told they can't buy this because, or they have to do this because I would love to see their answers and responses when he asks them how they feel about this. Right. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And kind of segueing into the banksters. Well, let's talk about the leading one of them all. Mm -hmm. The World Bank. So they come out with reports periodically of their projections and forecasts of the economy. And so the latest report is a lot down from the last one. 
um, essentially um, saying that they're expecting an economic slowdown and a global recession. So the World Bank report said that they're expecting essentially no rebound in 2023. And they're expecting or anticipating um, intensifying global tensions, which is just a fancy way of saying uh, war or more war to break out, right? Yeah. So they're also anticipating an extended period of stagflation reminiscent of the 1970s and worsening food security, meaning more food shortages. So of course, I don't- yeah, I don't need to remind our audience that this is the World Bank we're talking about here. So um, they're in on it. They're part of this global power grab. So when they make these kinds of predictions, it's really more of them telling you what their plans are on these specific outcomes, right? Yeah, they. when I say they are involved in every agenda, I'm not kidding. Every Everything I've ever researched, they are involved in. So, so yeah. Uh, to, to take their word for it. If they're planning on continuing to mess with supply chains and uh, manufacture inflation, that's what they're going to keep doing. Yeah. I mean, we should take their word seriously because they're willing to do practically anything to transform the world into this global governance with the central digital currency, right? Mm, yep. So what do we do about it? Well, we've talked many times at, about, you know, preparing ourselves, not expecting the government to come and save us. Um, so, you know, we don't have to get into depth about, you know, our solutions, because we have talked many times about that, how to prepare and be more self-sufficient. But um, along those lines of, you know, preparing, being more self-sufficient, you um, really just you know taking make looking at all options um i published an article on your site this week corey um we just published this um and this is really all about full-time rving and it really has been a trend since 2022 and still to this day although it's dying down a little bit and so i wanted to kind of look into this for myself because you know we've talked about this um now you said 2022 did you mean 2020 um 2020 is really kind of when it started booming this whole idea of the rv lifestyle right. um and it's been going strong it's starting like i said toward the end of 2022 with the purchases of rvs to it's starting to go down and um, so it seems like it might be kind of like calming down a little bit, this, this uh, recent interest in doing it. Um, so I wanted to look into more details about, you know, is it cost effective to do this? How are people actually able to do this? And is it right for me or for whoever's reading this? So I kind of, you know, just did the research for myself and for others. Yeah, for me, it's always been travel trailer or motorhome. I go back and forth between the two. Yeah, we opted for a travel trailer. So here's what we did pers- for you know my personal situation. We 
when we sold our home, we wanted to move out of the city because we saw a lot of these things coming down the pipe. Right. And so we wanted to move to a smaller town. And um, right now we're renting. That's not ideal. We want to purchase, but mm. waiting for the prices to come down. So, right. um, but in the meantime, and we had, a, we made, where we were blessed to make a significant profit on the sale of the home, pay off all our debts and have still money in the bank and still be able to buy a travel trailer that fitted my whole family. And so that travel trailer was really something that we could use for fun because we love camping, but it was also really our plan B and we're, we keep it on my mom's property. My mom's property has acreage. It's got a well. Uh, we can, you know, we could be self-sustaining there in the event of like a really, really bad economic downturn. Right. And so I have that as a safety net, but um, we're still holding out for an optimistic point of view as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but for, are you going to grow food on your mom's land? Yep. Yep. Food, nice. chickens, goats. That's the whole plan. Um, uh, we haven't gotten that far cause she just moved there. So a little by a little working on it to keep the grass trimmed or are you going to, are these milking goats? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. We haven't, you know, gotten that far. Okay. So, yeah, so I listed some statistics and just how RV purchasing is booming and how the the um, the economics landscape is changing and how um, jobs are changing. A lot of people being able to work from home or remotely or starting their own job, you know, businesses, that kind of thing. Right. And um, then I went through really the, the the reality of what it costs and involves to be able to live in an RV. And um, I was pretty, uh, you know, I, I guess we sh- when you read this, it shows you the good, good the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, right. Because I don't want to sugarcoat this for anybody if they're seriously considering doing this, because it right. is a huge lifestyle change. Right. Not only that, there's a lot of things in there you need to familiarize yourself and get backup parts for and have, you know, be a little bit handy and have some tools on you. Um, so, you know, which, which is another reason why I've always gone back and forth, hmm, motorhome or travel trailer. And <laughs> right. Know. So, so you lived in, was it a travel trailer some years back? <clears throat> I lived in a fifth wheel for one year while I was, um, building a home. And so I didn't have anywhere to stand, but there was power and water. And so, so I connected into that and then I, I rented an auger and drilled down and ran because I was in a very cold place and I, I ran a hose underground and I insulated it. The problem is it got so cold in the winter that, you know, forget about that. So I had no running water uh, for three months, which was fine. I'm, I'm, <laughs> not easily stumped. Right. So I would go across the street to the park to use the bathroom and, um, I'd go to a shower at the gym and I'd do laundry, you know, I'd go to a friend's house and do laundry and, but it was cold. Like I had, I I had one space heater in there 
And I would literally sleep in winter clothes with like a cowhide on top of me. And then in the uh, summer, it would get so hot that the, and it was an older unit. So the ceiling AC unit would literally freeze up and it would start spitting out little ice chips. So I had to turn that down and run, um, get like an AC window unit that I put in over the, um, through the kitchen window. And then I ran that, you know, to the power source. So that worked fine. Um, I got tons of straw bales just to like insulate around and underneath. Plus I had to build like a little, um, I got some chicken wire fencing to build a little dog run outside of it. So I could let my, cause yeah, I had two dogs in there with me too. (laughs) So, but you know what? I like small spaces. So for me, like the small space was great. I'm like, whoo, takes me five minutes to clean. Um, I'm, I'm always, you know, I've pretty much been a workaholic most of my life. So when I'm outside, I'm outside. It's great. And when I'm inside, I don't mind being like in a small confined space. Yeah. I mean, and these are the things that I would definitely suggest anybody that's looking at doing this to talking to as many people who have done it or are currently doing it. And, and even, and even though it's expensive, it's worthwhile to actually like rent one for a couple of weeks and, and experience it, you know? Right. And you really have to have this troubleshooting mindset. I mean, even being a camper myself, not full time, um, but just, you know, weekend warrior type stuff. um, We've had so many of those instances where you're in the middle of nowhere and you got to figure it out. So, um, but, and we have, and we have, fortunately, my husband's very handy. So, um, you gotta have tools, you gotta have a skill set, and you've got to have a a mind to be able to troubleshoot things, um, when they arise. Um, but also having lots of other, you know, safety nets and stuff too, like extra supplies and, um, people and, you know, that you could call or roadside assistance, all that kind of stuff too. So, well, and one of the things I was wondering about, so, I mean, you could just hit straight up campground areas where, you know, you're going to be around other people. Um, but a lot of those have been filling up. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I've noticed it when traveling, like how packed those are. So. Yes. And I didn't mention this in the article. I wish I had, but um, a lot of these campgrounds are becoming corporatized. Okay. They used to be mm-hmm. small mom and pops and they're getting sold off to bigger corporations. And what um, full-timers have noticed is major price increases. And I did put this in the article was there have been some major price increases on campsites. And even for those like long stays, you know, camp, where people permanently live there, right? Right. Um, where their rent's getting jacked up and there's nothing they can do about it because they're like, you know, they can't even move their their camper. It's like a fixed, you know, they got to right. like, break it all down. And uh, so. Yeah. But then you also have a couple of cool sites on there, links yep. to like Boondockers and mm-hmm. what's the other one called? Um, um, Harvest Host, Boondockers, um, tra- something Travelers. I've got a lot of links in this article to check out because what a lot of people are doing now is like a yearly membership. Right. And Mm -hmm. in that yearly membership includes 
locations all over the country. And when you get to those locations, you're not expected to pay any kind of camping fees. It just goes with the yearly membership. So it's actually a, a better economic way of being able to, you know, to, to camp really than um, say, you know, going to these campsites where you pay nightly or monthly even, right? So um, right. yeah, so definitely well, check out those links. Another thing is, is there, um, like I have a friend in Texas who was telling me the other day that, you know, when he's driving across Texas, he's seen a lot of people putting up the concrete slabs now for, um, or pads, you know, for, uh, specifically for RVs. So there's, you know, there's a lot of people that where they have the maps, like I think on boondockers and whatnot, um, on those other ones where people offer their, their farm or something. And in a lot, in some cases, there's no electric or hookups or anything, but if you need to stop and stay over a night while you're traveling, you know, so there's, there's a lot of neat kind of options out there. One of the things that always drives me nuts is the damn zoning issues, you know? Yeah. Um, you definitely forget about it in cities, but like most counties, even in suburbs, they'll say, you're not allowed to park your RV for more than two weeks out of the year in your driveway, or you can park it on the side of the house, but it has to be on a pad and um, it has to be covered. And by no means are you allowed to utilize it as an office or live out of it. And I just, just all these freaking right. restrictions. And, and I, I get it to a certain degree, um, but it, it's very frustrating because I've, I've often wanted to just, you know, get, get a piece of land and just have the, just live out of an RV because it's way right. more affordable to do that. We did that. Uh, we, we bought land, but then realized that the property, um, was, was zoned where it could only be site built homes. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. You have to watch out for those things. And especially when you're doing just the research side of it, I mean, definitely, definitely consider all of this into your planning, Um, the destinations you're planning on going to, as well as the budget. And if it, and and compare it to your budget now, like if it is actually going to save you money, like if you're, um, you know, paying rent, that's, you know, astronomical or paying a mortgage that's astronomical, it might be the right you know, move for you. Whereas right. someone else, it, it may not. So, or if you're planning on doing constant traveling right now, gas might be a little expensive for right. it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. So moving on, uh, we have a lot of other stuff to cover. Um, there was a, a bill that passed, actually it was like six or eight proposals, I think, um, in this bill, this gun legislation that passed in the house this week, um, talking about, uh, well, one of them is raising the minimum age to purchase certain semi-automatic rifles from the age of 21, I'm sorry, from the age of 18 to 21. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another proposal that passed was to restrict the sales of large capacity magazines capable of holding more than 15 rounds and to create a buyback program of high capacity magazines. Uh, Yet another proposal in this package was um, to set standards, uh, federal standards for safe storage of firearms in your home, including criminal penalties for violating those. 
plus more federal regulations on bump stocks and ghost guns, which are guns without serial numbers. So the important thing to note here is, well, this did pass in the House by nearly a party line vote of 223 to 204. Five Republicans voted yes, two Democrats voted no. But none of this really matters because it's all it's all theater. It's not going to pass in the Senate. The Senate is actually working on drawing up gun legislation themselves that the Dems are hoping will have more of a chance to pass. Um, what that looks like, we don't really know yet. They're still in talks. Um, we may have more information on it by next week because they are trying to rush this, but the Senate gun legislation proposals may actually focus uh, more on people with criminal backgrounds, as well as funding for mental health. And um, they'll need 60 votes in the Senate to get anything passed, which means they're going to need 10 Republicans on their side. And of course, we know we got we got the usual turncoats that would probably vote for it. Right. Romney, Murkowski, Collins, Lindsey Graham's said he would. You know, mm -hmm. there's McConnell, mm -hmm. Rubio. So they, depending on what kind of legislation they work on in the Senate, they may actually um, get something passed. We just don't know exactly yet what that looks like. But not to worry, whatever passed in the House this week, it's there's practically no chance of that of that uh, making any headway in the Senate. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good, good. All right. So um, more news this week about the whole SCOTUS leak, the whole Roe v. Wade being overturned potential, and all of the abortion terrorists really amping things up. I mean, since the SCOTUS leak, Pro-abortion terrorists have been attacking churches, pro-life centers, and launching death threats at pro-life activists and the Supreme Court justices. I mean, so far, at least six pro-life pregnancy centers that I know of have been vandalized or burned, and at wow. least four pro-life churches have been vandalized or burned up. Wednesday of this week, there were two more violent acts, one being an armed man was arrested outside of Justice Kavanaugh's home with the intent of killing Kavanaugh over the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned. Good Lord. Yeah, and this is all because they doxed the uh, Supreme Court justices' locations after the SCOTUS leak. I mean, this is all coordinated. Yeah, and, and who sent that man? <clears throat> That's what I'd like to know. Yeah, and then also on Wednesday, same day as the Kavanaugh death threat, um, there was another pro-life center in Buffalo that was firebombed. And a lot of these um, terror, abortion-related terrorists' acts have been a, a, a accredited to this group. They call themselves Jane's Revenge. And they've done multiple attacks, um, taken the credit for multiple attacks. Um, the fact is that these uh, this terrorist organization has been operating for months now, conducting several violent attacks, which shows you how much the FBI and the DHS are willing to track these actual terrorists down. I mean, you right. don't think the FBI, FBI and DHS know exactly who these people are? Exactly. 
Of course they do. At the very least, the FBI and the DHS are complicit in allowing these attacks to continue. They're They're busy tracking climate offenders, Edge. (laughs) Or (laughs) weaponizing these departments and targeting their political opponents by labeling anyone who is critical of the regime as a white supremacist and a terrorist. Yeah. And there was a bill that they tried to pass this week in the House. Democrats are stalling on it. Um, this bill was to beef up security for the Supreme Court justices. So it just tells you that the Democrats are absolutely complicit in the kind of terrorist acts and intimidation acts that are going on here in order to dissuade the Supreme Court justice ruling. Oh, yeah. Yep. And um, Supreme Court was supposed to, or we were thinking they could hand it down, uh, their their ruling on um, June 8th. They didn't. Um, the, the, the day that the Kavanaugh death threat and the other pro-life um, location got burned down, um, they did not hand that out. Uh, they have since put out their June calendar, and it looks like, um, you know, there's a couple of days in here, 13th or 15th being uh, the next possible likely um, dates that they hand it down, but they're going into um, recess by the end of June. So, um, uh, you know, what are the chances they're going to push this back? They better not. They better just go ahead and hand this thing down. That would be ridiculous. Right? Let's get it over and done with. Exactly. And, you know, there's going to be violence leading up to it. You know, if they didn't change their ruling and the SCOTUS leak remains the way that it, it, you know, was when it was leaked, Mm -hmm. that we're going to see violence afterwards, too. It's going to be another, you know, summer of love, just like 2020, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which one was that? That that was in um, Minnesota, right? Oh, uh, well, Summer of Love, I think it was actually Summer of Hate was 2020, and that was just during all of the uh, George Floyd, the BLM riots, yada, yada. No, but there was there was a political woman saying, calling it Summer of Love, wasn't she? I don't know. I'm not sure what you're, what, what you're referring to. <laughs> you said that, I saw her face pop in my head. <laughs> I can't think who it was. Well, speaking, oh, speaking of Summer of Love... We've got to talk about Pride Month because... I know, it's just off the hook. It's really, you know, so I have, you know, many friends with children and I keep hearing more and more stories about what's happening in the schools, public schools, private schools, Christian schools, with this whole trans agenda, which I reported on back in 2019 warning everyone of like how bad this was really getting and how how enmeshed in the school system they had this and you know tons of people have been reporting on this and trying to bring awareness to it and it has just over the last two years they have really gone all in on this agenda and it's really really concerning um because the psychological damage they are doing to children in messing with their own self-identity and it's all part of you know we've talked about this many times just breaking them down re-educating them um having a genderless society moving into ai all of it it's it's all part and parcel and so uh i wanted to see i asked a question on gab 
uh, to parents who have children in public schools. I said, has your child told you that another child or more than one, you know, is transitioning at their school? Uh, because I wanted to see just if all my friends have children in schools and I'm talking elementary, junior high, high school, all levels where all of a sudden friends of their children's friends are suddenly now want to be boys cutting their hair short and wanting to, you know, and some are transitioning. And so, so I just wanted to read a handful of responses. Um, well, let's see, we have, my son is in high school and several girls in his class now claim to be trans and have chosen guys names for themselves along with cutting their hair short, dressing like guys, etc. No boys going the other way as far as I know. Uh, yes, I have a 13, 11, and 8-year-old. In middle school, there is so much gay. Even teachers have pride flags up all year. Even in my kids' elementary school, the art teacher has the trans flag up. Um, yes, I have uh, two kids, 12 and 9, and both have kids in their class that changed teams. Uh, let's see... When my daughter was in seventh grade, her group of female friends had an Ashley who decided she wanted to be called Hunter. She cut her hair and started dressing like a skater boy with the dark baggy clothes and skater shoes. Um, we have at least two teens in each class at my children's high school. Uh, this year, the middle school science teacher stated in class, uh, gender fluid uh also we have an up upcoming freshman that is a cat so the litter box in schools is true yeah what the hell's going on with this right uh, it, this is just really really getting out of control absolutely um, I mean, there's out just, of control there's story after story here and and you, you'll see it's like all different age groups and um it's it's happening everywhere mm -hmm. and it's like they suddenly just one day decide, you know, because it's now they're making it trendy. Yes. That um, I think I want to be a boy today. And and the psychological damage this is going to do long term and God, God help them if they do decide to transition. And, you know, so the American Society of Plastics surgeons just released last year the first ever facial breast chest and genital data for gender affirmation procedures and these people it's just it's like hard even reading this stuff when they're quoting people because they're so happy about this you know there's they're so excited about this movement um mutilating so, children yeah and it's if if you do the research like i've done and you review the studies you'll see actually how damaging it is and how a, a good percentage i believe gosh it was a while ago that i did that report now but i want to say it was like 40 percent. it was a very large percentage that wished they hadn't done it and then right and it, late you know and how the suicide rates it's totally a farce when they say and they this is emotional blackmail they will mm -hmm. emotionally blackmail parents to say that um your child will kill themselves if they don't transition 
And so these parents go along with it thinking, I have no choice. But what they don't say is that they don't do all of these studies following these people who have transitioned and how many of them have committed suicide even after, because it's more of a mental issue. They are sweeping all of these mental issues under the rug and affirming children before Mm -hmm. getting to the heart of the reason why they have chosen to change their identities. And a lot of the time it has to do with a, um, the way that they look at themselves, the self-hatred, self-loathing, depression, um, other kinds of mental disorders, child abuse. They're trying to escape and create a new identity, not necessarily oftentimes because of, you know, they feel like they're a different gender, but just the, the idea of being someone else. Exactly. Yep. And so the the report shows a double digit increase of 12% in procedures performed from 2019 to 2020. There's um, a lot of, so like trans male patients seeking a breast or chest surgical procedure saw the highest increase with a 15% jump from 2019 to 2020 closely followed by trans female patients who underwent facial and breast or chest procedures, charting a 14% increase in 2020. And I mean, there's, there's other stats and information in here, but I think people get the idea. This is really, you know, the White House has been pushing this since the 90s when Bill Clinton declared uh, June be Pride Month. And again, I think it goes without saying we, well, at least for me, I don't, I don't have a problem. I don't have an issue with people being gay or being trans or who they want to have sex with as long as they're not pedophiles, but everyone, you know, it's not something to, we're to, sick of people. We're sick of people grooming our kids. Yes. It's being exploited for this sole purpose to re-educate, to completely deconstruct children, re-educate them, mind control them, and manipulate them to be their digital citizen AI workforce of the future in a genderless society where they're not going to, um, they certainly don't want any more babies being brought into this world. So all the females we can convert over to males, you know. Right. And it will we'll basically chemically castrate people and make people infertile and make them at a very young age, affirm them at a very young age to make these life-changing decisions that are irreversible. Right. Yep. Yep. And we have, uh, you have a couple of videos that you had shared this week of uh, what... <laughs> Where's this one at now? This was in Dallas. This was, uh, this was in Dallas. So this was last weekend um, it, to kick off, you know, Gay Pride Month. Um, it was a um, gay bar in Dallas that invited people to bring their children. It was called uh, Drag Your Kids to Pride. Um, this bar has a huge neon sign in the background that says it's not going to lick itself. Right. Oh, boy. Children are sitting around as these uh, drag queens perform burlesque type dances for them and they're giving them dollar bills. Then the children are asked to walk the catwalk and strike a pose with the drag queens. 
and there was a huge protest outside of the um of this bar a lot of footage that came out um one of the individuals being alex stein who's kind of a Oh, kind of like a Mark Dice type of guy. He uses a lot of, um, he, he jokingly um, just pushes, uh, pushes it back on them um, and goes and does a lot of uh, funny videos at like, you know, uh, city council meetings and things like that. Well, he was at this, this gay bar and, and providing a lot of coverage outside of what was going on outside. And since all of this came out last weekend, um, Texas legislators are um, talking about um, writing a bill uh, to um, prevent or to make it illegal for children to be at gay prior gay gay bars um, and other inappropriate locations. Um, and it's just really amazing to me that it's not illegal already, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but yeah, so parents are dragging their kids to these types of events around the country. Thinking that that what this is, this is going to allow their children to be acceptant of everyone. And, and, and that's where they hammer it so hard and why people don't speak up and say anything because, then they're they're shamed you know it's all about shaming them yeah yeah it, it is all about shaming them and we've talked about this um off the air as like what do we do about this and you know i was just kind of chatting and offering my perspective on it as a parent with two kids i mean because it really the message really is saturated in schools social media yeah. tv uh, videos, um, oh, terrible internet. It, it's everywhere. And unless you want to unplug completely and just completely disassociate from the rest of the world, then you have to deal with it because it's so in your face, especially right now. Yeah. And um, so for me, I mean, the first step that I took was pulling my kids out of school and um, teaching them at home and having much, much, much more control of the content that they're being taught and the, the perspective with which they're taught it. And, and access to various technologies. Right. And my kids aren't completely off the internet or gaming or, you know, but they're right. not on social media. Um, they don't, you know, so I think the next step is also the the whole social media aspect about it, because I've um, seen videos of people who have detransitioned, um, who have said, look, you know, a lot of my perspective as a young person when I started my transition was from online groups, online chat groups that were affirming me and um, that kind of a thing. So um, social media, I think, makes a major influence on it, controlling that. Yeah. But other than that, it's really unavoidable. And I found that I've actually had to have conversations with my kids. You know, I've got an 18 year old, I'm sorry, an eight year old and a 14 year old. And yeah. so, I mean, it's really sad that you have to have a conversation with an eight-year-old about this. That's right. How and and how do you even explain to an eight-year-old that the the you want to accept people, but 
this is what, you know, I mean, it's a very complex psychological game that is taking place here and trying to explain that in lay terms to a child just, yeah. I don't know. It seems yeah, the, com- the conversations I've had with my young one versus my old one are vastly different. I keep I'm it sure. real simple with the young one and just say, look, there are people out there who like to be inappropriate with children and you have to be very careful because they befriend you first and they don't just come right out being inappropriate with you they befriend you first they earn your trust and then they start doing things that are inappropriate and i said you know i've just said look you have to um be very careful and look if anybody's speaking inappropriately to you this is not okay. It, it's not okay to push these kinds of things on little kids, these very, very adult types of conversations onto little kids, which is what's happening right. everywhere. With my older one, we have way more detailed conversations about it. He's very well aware of the agenda, the real agenda behind all of this. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't suggest this for, for everybody because it's, you know, it's, it's really up to you and your parenting style. But for me, I mean, I was watching what is a woman and my son came home from fencing class and he was like, what are you watching? And I'm like, what is a woman? And he sat down and watched it with me. And it was actually providing a lot of clarity for him, but my son's a really mature 14 year old. So, you know, it's kind of up to other parents, what they decide to do, but um, yeah, it provided a lot of clarity for him. And he was, you know, he, he was already thinking that this whole agenda is crazy, but really does kind of outline it pretty well. Have you seen what is a woman? Matt? Watches- I haven't, I haven't, but I'm just envisioning, you know, if you, if you give them that information, you've now armed them. So, so now when someone's talking to them or bringing something to their attention, or they see something on television or, you know, wherever it may be they're now processing their minds automatically going to start processing going, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, is this agenda based or is this, you know what I mean? They're going to start using critical thinking, which is really important right now because so important, even adults aren't using critical thinking right now. I just tell me what. And the mass formation psychosis isn't just specific to COVID it's with everything else. You know, it's whatever the new thing is and whether it's Ukraine or whether it's, you know, the whole gay and trans agenda or climate change. I mean, it really is like a religion to these people who are diehards and you can't even really reason with them by bringing them facts. They will just shut down. Right. Uh, The important thing is to just really get to the the young people um, who haven't been fully indoctrinated. And start teaching them critical thinking. So mm -hmm. moving forward, they can start seeing through all this crap, all the agendas. Right, right. Definitely. So, so hugely important. All right. I think that about covers it for this week. Gosh, we got through a lot. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we we crammed it all in. And just so people know, Edge and I both have uh, a lot of personal things going on the next couple weeks. So we are going to take a little break for a couple weeks and take care of some stuff and then we'll be back at it. Yep. Yep. We will be back. Don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So please be sure to share this podcast. We are on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, 
Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Thank you.